Lady's mom immigrated to the United States with Lady and her two siblings in 2011. Six years later, Lady's mom was shot outside of a restaurant. Lady ended up getting full custody of both of her little sisters and became a parent at 18 years old. During the podcast, Lady talks about her nervous laughter, but you will also hear her reacting to my facial expressions. Even though I'm muted, we can still see each other, and I am one of those people who shows everything in her face. So not only does Lady laugh when she gets nervous, but she's also laughing at my reactions to what she is saying. And now, Lady's story. Hi, this is Beth, and welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Uh, Tonight I have with me Lady, and um, Lady has a large, big story to share with us. Um, She and I connected over Instagram, I believe, Lady is probably one of the many of you that are here from my nephew's reel that has gone viral. Um, but she, we have decided that Lady is going to share her story in two parts because it is a, a fairly detailed um, journey that she's been through at the ripe old age of 23 she is today. So um, I'm going to turn the mic over to her and Lady's going to share the story. I think we decided pretty much up until the point of your mom's passing. And then she's going to come back for part two and share with us how her journey has been since that time. So Lady, I appreciate you being here. I'm going to turn the mic over to you and let you introduce yourself and tell us your story. Hi, (laughs) I'm so nervous. Thank you so much. Um, uh well you 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 summarized it very well um my name is lady um i was born in colombia in 1999 (laughs) my mom is dominican even though she had me in colombia and ever since she had me she had me at a very young age she had me when she was around 19 years old um and i already had an older brother by then. So she became a mother when she was pretty young. Um, And for the whole entirety of my life, I remember my mom's and I relationship being more of a, more of like a friendship, sisterhood, (laughs) instead of a mother-daughter relationship because I kind of grew up with my mom, like alongside her instead of her raising me even though she was raising me but that's how I felt um the where do I start this story (laughs) my parents had a pretty rocky relationship I feel like that's a good way to start um so I experienced my mom go through an abusive relationship with my father where I felt like her protector in a way So since an early age in my life, I felt like I needed to protect her and take care of her. And against everyone and everything, including my dad. And that was how I grew up of like, I need to take care of her and less of myself. Um, And that affected pretty much the rest of my life. We moved a lot from Colombia to the Dominican Republic as we grew up 
every time my parents separated, she would move back to the Dominican Republic until she decided to come to the United States to stop moving so much and just uh, give us a better future. And by that time, she was pregnant with her third child. And my, my little sister, Kiara, was born when I was nine. Well, I was eight. I was eight or nine. I was eight and turned nine, somewhere in there. <laughs> but I was old enough to help my mom take care of this baby. And it became apparent that I would be doing that for, for a long time because at that time she had already left my dad. We were moving to the United States with this baby. Um, and I just became my mom's right hand. Like it just, it just got progressively, uh, like I got progressively more responsibilities as the years went by. And I didn't mind because my mom was my everything. And Kiara, when she was born, she also became like a little daughter to me, more like a sister. But, but like, I'm sure a lot of older sisters can relate to this, that when their parents have children and there's a pretty big age gap, you become like a second parent to them. It's just <laughs> what happens. Um, uh, when Kiara was born, we moved to the United States when she was like one years old. And we've been here since. It was just me, my mom, and my little sister and my older brother. And it was just the four of us against the world basically. Um, I was dealing with uh, um, many things about leaving my dad, about my mom having to heal from that marriage and leaving him as well. Uh, my brother was healing as well. We started going to church when we moved here. I feel like that was like a pretty big thing um, that helped us settle or like adapt to the United States. I didn't know any English. <laughs> I was like 11. 10 or 11 when I moved here and it was a pretty big change but it it even it made the bond that I had with my mom even stronger because now it was really like wow we moved to another country and we're going to figure this out together um it was always me and her my brother was pretty distant and she always relied on me for most of the things and my brother was always like on my dad's side <laughs> So that's how the relationship was. Um, and I say all of this to say that all of this small events of like moving back and forth and the relationship problems that she had and having a baby, all of that just built up to how dependent my mom and I were to each other. Um, just how much, how attached we were. Like she used to call me her leech. <laughs> <laughs> because I could not and I used to tell him like I can't live without you like it's just someone that never in a million years I would think that I would lose she was she was like it was for, for everything we were best friends she called me her right hand her left leg like everyone that met us was like these girls are always together like <laughs> so all these things were happening and I feel like also Hispanic um, first immigration kids can also relate to the fact that when they move to the United States with their parents, they become their translator, they become the appointment maker, they become the, we fill the files, we sign ourselves up for school, we talk to the teachers, our parents don't know English. <laughs> and we learn 
I learned English really fast, but I also became the person who was doing everything for my mom. So it just, like I said, my responsibilities just started growing. And as I grew up, I started understanding more what that meant and what that meant for me and like being a teenager and wanting to be more free or wanting to have more freedom or wanting to have more me time. Like that was not a thing because it was always your sister or you need to help me with this paperwork or you need to go like with me to talk to immigration. It was like always different things that I had to translate for her. I, I remember doing my calling to do my physical, <laughs> my dentist appointment since, since I got here. And for Kiara too, like my little sister, I brought her to the doctor since I can't remember. So I took on that motherly role for her since I have memories. And that's just how it was. Uh, as time progressed and I started going to high school, I, I really adapted to American culture. Like I got here when I was in sixth grade and by high school, I was fully immersed into like, I wanna go to a good college. I want to get scholarships. <laughs> I want to get good grades. I want to do all these things. Um, I got a job. I was working part time, um, and I started realizing that I didn't have the same life as other kids my age because I not only did I have to work to help my mom pay the bills because we were very low income, I also had to take care of my sister. Um, I couldn't do any sports. And that's when I started having some mental health issues as well regarding um, everything. <laughs> and then my mom got pregnant. <laughs> I laugh about it. I laugh when I'm nervous and when bad things happen, I just have dark humor. Um, then my mom got pregnant and I was, I remember I was 15 and I was like, how dare you? <laughs> my sister Kiara was like, about to turn seven she finally could go to the Y after school I'm like I could finally have some freedom and she got pregnant and obviously she had the baby and it was scary we could not afford it her <laughs> we could not afford her but we made it happen we made it work a lot of people helped us I started working more and this baby that my mom had in 2015 she became my daughter <laughs> like my mom was working like three jobs three jobs by now by this time trying to make ends meet so as soon as she gave birth um I finished school. it was pretty convenient I finished um that school year and that entire summer she handed me the baby, the baby and I'm like this is my baby <laughs> I'll take care of this baby um 24 seven, I was with her. And it was, I feel like high school felt like such a turning point in my life where um, it's only four years, but it felt like a million. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to tell my mom that I, even though we were so attached and we needed each other, that I needed to go away. I needed to go away. I was applying to colleges far away. I was, um, I felt like the only way to get away from all my responsibilities that my mom was putting on me was to apply to colleges far, 
far <laughs> because all of high school, not only was I not doing any sports, but I wasn't doing any after school activities. I wasn't making any friends. I was not going out. I was not dating. It was, it was just not in the, I, it was not possible because I was working to make rent and I was babysitting my sisters every single time that I had to, that I could. I even brought the baby and Kiara to school sometimes <laughs> and to work I like it's it it was just I they were mine and everyone that knows that knows me from high school they knew like like I take care lady takes care of her sisters and that's just what she does because we have to we have to make it work and so I remember telling my mom towards the end of my high school years like I'm not gonna do this after high school I I was taking like really high level classes so that I could get scholarships to go to to go to college to to leave. <laughs> I wanted the American experience. I wanted um I remember I I don't I was so I had all these goals and this whole plan for my life which is funny to think about. I was like this is going to happen and this is going to happen by this time, by when I'm 25, I'll do this. By the time I'm 30, I'll do this. I had a plan. And I was following that plan to the T. I was applying and I was doing and I was taking a test and I was pulling all-nighters. I I was working, uh, like I was doing the work. <laughs> and then my senior year, um, my mom and I started like butting heads because she realized that I, I actually was going to leave. <laughs> um, and it was, she was really strict my whole teenage life. And this, my senior year, she started letting go a little bit. As in like, she would let me go out or she would let me go see friends. That also meant that she was going out. It was like a back and forth. Like I said, it was not, when I think about it now, it was a lot of like, it felt more like sisters fighting than like mother and daughter. And it's hard to process now, now that she's gone and, and how to go about those things when your mom dies when you're a teenager. And when you're a teenager, like there's definitely arguments <laughs> that if you were older wouldn't have happened that I think about now that I'm like, I wish I was more, I, ha I, I wish I gave her more grace and I wish I went about situations differently, but it's okay. <laughs> um, so because I wanted to run far away, um, I ended up in a really abusive, toxic relationship with a boy who joined the military and who told me if I went to college near him, we could be together. Um, so I started applying to colleges near him, which was across the country. <laughs> Teenage mentality, I, it was stupid, but it was like, oh, this is my ticket, my way out. I'm gonna go dorm in the school near him. We're gonna fall in love. He's, we're gonna have a wonderful life. I'm gonna, we're gonna get married. <laughs> it was the stupidest love story in my head. Uh, and I had no experience with boys. So I was the perfect victim for him to just manipulate. And 
uh, he did because my April of my senior year, two months before I was gonna graduate, he, I applied to all these colleges over there where he where he was stationed. Um, so he's like, oh, why don't you just come see the colleges in person and see me while you're here <laughs> and stay with me. Um, I was seven, I was 18. I was 18 by then. Um, I had just turned 18 in March and this trip was in April. So I was like, sure. I mean, I don't know which college I'm gonna say yes to. And I had accepted letters for multiple over there. Um, so I said, okay. And I took a trip to see him. In this trip, um, he brought me everywhere. We went to museums, we went to the aquarium. And I felt like I was in the most beautiful relationship. Again, I had no experience with boys. So he was doing all the right things. Um, and he proposed, I know. <laughs> um and in my head again <laughs> i have no experience in love but i'm over here thinking like he's perfect he has a career he loves me he goes out of his way for me my mom likes him because my mom had met him that meant the world to me um i didn't see any red flags that i should have <laughs> and i said yes uh, we went to yes that same week we went to file to get married it was so quick. Um, Friday, we did a very weird ceremony. Um, so in, in that state, you have to register three days before. And then after three days, you can file the marriage license. And we grabbed the marriage license on Friday. Um, so we had to wait until Monday to, to register the marriage. And we had a ceremony <laughs> that Friday. Uh, of getting married I should have known this wasn't gonna work um, one because I was lying to my mom about the whole thing she had no idea uh, two he didn't really propose he was just like hey we should get married so I don't have to live on base and I was like okay uh, <laughs> and then three uh, because he didn't even write any vows and I was just doing what movies do so I'm like I wrote vows why didn't you write any and he's like, oh, I didn't think about that. I'm like, oh, okay. It, it was so bad. It was so bad. I 18-year-old me deserved better, but she had no idea. And we had this little ceremony. Um, he's, we're supposed to file on Monday to get married. Saturday, we go out on a dinner with some friends. Sunday, we're on the military base. He's doing laundry. Um, this whole time I'm talking to my mom. The last time I spoke to her was that Friday when she dropped me off at the airport. And no one knew that I was flying to see him except her. And she was like, if you tell your family, you're going to go see a boy. And you're this young, they're going to be out of their mind. So only she knew that I was out of state in the other side of the country seeing him. <laughs> and I was so I was only talking to her about what I was doing and then all of a sudden she's not replying on that Sunday um, um I get worried I have her location on my iPhone she's not very tech savvy she didn't know that I had her location but I did <laughs> um so I check her location and she's at the 
local general hospital and like where we live and I was like okay um I got worried I call her phone there's no um answer I call again no answer so I'm like okay um I started getting worried and then my cousin who never talked to me she calls me and she's like hey what are you doing and I'm like um I, I'm lying to my whole family at this point um I'm like oh I'm out with some friends and she was like oh okay uh are you nearby I'm like uh, so that felt weird to me because this person never talked to me so I was like I lied again I'm like no not really but I can't talk right now so I hung up called my mom again and then this time a man answered and this man is my cousin also who I don't speak to another cousin and at this point I get really agitated because I think something's happening and I'm like hey why do you have my mom's phone um and then that's when he says your mom's been in an accident um and then I feel like in that moment like again this person is not only my mom but like half of me like my entire being everything I was doing up until that point was for her and my whole future I knew I knew I said I wanted to get away from her but at the end of the day was to make her proud automatically one of my knees and I started crying and I just started praying um and I said God please take care of her um God if like if she if she loses a foot or if she can't walk I'll take care of her for the rest of my life I'll I'll quit everything that I'm doing I'll I was just all this thoughts were going through my head about what possibly could have happened to her in this car crash that I'm thinking that happened because that's what I was told and um the person who I was with at the time he came upstairs and he saw me screaming at this point I was I thought it was an accident and but even even though I thought it was an accident it was horrible um so I went back to the hotel where I was staying I packed all my stuff and he drove me through, he drove me to the airport. And as we were driving to the airport, I was buying a plane ticket back home. I was 3,000 miles away from <laughs> my house. It is across the country. Um, so it, the only flight I found in the spot that I was leaving in like two hours was three, three scales. So it was three planes to get back home. And I didn't care because I'm like, this is the only one I found. I need to get back home now. Um, and I remember later on, he told me, like, on the drive from the hotel to the airport, he he's like, that's, he saw, like, something shift in me of, like, that's when, like, something shut off. Because I was just, like, I was crying for so long, thinking something happened to my mom. Um, I get to the airport and I get my ticket. I check in my bag. And it was at this moment that I'm up doing the line to go through TSA that I go on my phone and um, I go on Facebook and there is a video being shared by many people that I know of a woman surrounded by people recording her uh dying uh she had been shot and i recognized this moment as my mom 
I feel like even now I I I'm more comfortable talking about it, but it 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 just shakes me up just knowing that not only my family liked me, but that I was across the country, first time I've ever been so far away from my mom and she was um in the middle of a bunch of people recording her dying um and she had been shot and so at this point I'm trying to figure out what's going on and then I get a snapshot message from a friend from high school and she says I'm so sorry lady and I was like what and then she sends me a link to an article and it says um it says um I forgot exactly what it said but it said we have learned um the woman has been declared dead and that's how I learned that my mom died through an article on a snapshot message and I was in TSA about to be my turn and I dropped and I screamed um it was really bad. <laughs> I just don't know how it went from your mom has been into an accident to she was dead. Um, she was so young. She was 38. Um, and it was, I was, I was in a three-hour difference. It was, by the time I learned that she was dead, it was like 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. It was pretty late at night, but back here in Boston, it was like, it was like 7 p.m. I, it was April. I was very confused. Um, uh, I was really confused. And this, like I said, <laughs> prior to everything now, um, she is everything. Um, so I feel like the lady who I was before that moment when I learned my mom had died she she never came back and she's never coming back something like something big died inside of me that day and I begged TSA to let me through because they weren't letting me <laughs> they said that I couldn't fly like this and I kept screaming my they killed my mom like they killed her need to let me go um in the plane I was screaming in all three planes all three planes were telling me we're gonna <laughs> bring this plane to the ground like we're gonna we're gonna have to land if you keep screaming and I I just hated everyone in that moment I was like you don't understand they killed my mom I need to get back um at this point since it was so public, since it was, everyone was sharing this video, um, which I hate. <laughs> I hate the fact people share videos like that because me torturing myself, I kept watching this video of my mom dying that kept being shared on Facebook over and over and and people commenting their theories and their um, thoughts and calling her names or saying this is what happens when you go out at night or even though it was the afternoon <laughs> this is what 
this was on Easter Sunday. Uh, so it was so many people saying things that I was, I feel like I automatically went into like defense mode. And not only that, but since it was so public, my phone was flooded with messages of people saying, I'm sorry. So I was paying for uh, Wi-Fi on the airplane because like I said, I was um, on self-destruction mode and I wanted to keep looking at this video. Uh, I wanted to keep reading the comments and the articles. There was multiple videos too um, of my mom dying and I was reporting every single one of them. And every time someone shared it, I would report it. Um, and because I had the Wi-Fi connected on my flight, <laughs> it was multiple. I was, my phone was blowing up. Um, I remember every time I connected to another plane, um, in between connections, people would call me and it was just people crying and me crying on the other end. And it was a lot. I remember calling my dad who was in Colombia, um, who at that point I didn't really get along with and having to tell him over the phone. I feel like those are the only words I could utter at that point. I'm like, they killed her, they killed my mom, they killed, and he he was completely speechless and he flew in the next day. So he, he also, um, sorry, <laughs> he also um, reacted kind of the same way I did. He was the only person I thought of calling. Um, and my family in Colombia who spent so much, so many years with my mom, they were also calling me. And I remember them calling me and asking me what happened, um, which I also thought it was, I feel like I thought everyone was dumb and I thought everyone was inconsiderate. <laughs> I was just so angry. Um, I've come to also understand that people don't know how to react to situations like this. Um, and for me, I if I didn't go through it, I would have probably been just as ignorant. Um, but in that moment, everyone just made me angry. I'm like, why would you ask me? Why would you message me? Why would you call me? Why would you talk to me? <laughs> why would you exist? Like, I was just mad at the world. Um, by the time I got to the airport, my whole family was confused on why I was not <laughs> in Boston, um, like in Massachusetts. And I was like, besides that, um, let's talk about what's going on now. And I screamed at my family for lying to me on the phone, telling me that she had been in an accident instead of telling me the truth. Um, at that point, I was really confused about how she had died. And everything happened really fast. I feel like me grieving my mom was like the automatic grief that like really heavy grief that happens when someone dies. I know grief is not the same for everybody, but when it's sudden and it's like that um, and then all these things happen directly after I'm I'm trying to say like, I couldn't think about the fact that she was dead. I had to think about what do I do now? Um, I'm sure like other people, like when you lose a spouse, you have to think about what the kids and what's gonna happen now and how do I tell them? And I had completely forgotten about my sisters until I land and my uncles tell me like, oh, 
by the way, no one has told them. And there are your grandmas. And I'm like, what? Um, okay. Um, and then they take me to my grandmother's. Everyone's in the living room screaming. Um, really horrible environment to have my sisters in. And then they walk me to my grandma's room and it's a two-year-old, my, my baby sister. Um, and Kiara was eight at that point. So it's a two-year-old and an eight-year-old looking at me, um, where's mommy? <laughs> Directly to my face. Um, and I look at everyone, I'm like, oh, so you guys, so you guys haven't, <laughs> okay. And they're like, well, that's, that's your job. Um, and this was the Monday directly after that it was the day after as soon as I got there they were like you need to tell them while this is happening my the the person I'm with my boyfriend files for marriage I'm now legally married um <laughs> uh, he should have never done that um especially even even if I said yes the day before my mom died and I don't know it was very impulsive everything that happened directly after um that Monday I had to tell my sister especially the two-year-old was clueless um I couldn't utter the words to her but to Kiara uh, her birthday was in 10 days she was turning nine and I had to tell her like mommy's dead um and she was so young um she was so young um I I don't remember her reaction but then I remember my brother my older brother gets to my grandma's house um and he's a little bit more uh, distant from me and my mom. He has like his own life. He had his own life at that point. So he comes clueless to my grandma's house. And I also have to tell him that our mom is dead. Um, and he also, I remember him sitting back and him telling me like, why are you lying to me? And me having to tell him, no, they killed her. Um, He's just as confused because who killed her? <laughs> Why? What is happening? It's, it's something that would have never even crossed our heads. Um, and he left. He was in full denial. He left. He was like, I'm not believing you. Um, so I was left with the girls and everyone telling me, well, now you need to take care of them. And it just so happens this week I was off from school. So I guess that was convenient. <laughs> um, but then it, it all came to a head when my dad arrived from Colombia. I don't know why I called him. Um, it was like a survival incident. Like this is my only parent. And now my, my mom is dead. So I need to call him. But the moment he gets there, he tells me, I'm taking, he tells me, I'm taking Kiara back to Colombia. Um, <laughs> so, Tuesday, 
I, my mom is dead and I can't even think about it. Tuesday, I walk into an office to file for guardianship for my two-year-old, my, my mom's two-year-old, my sister, <laughs> and Kiara, because my dad is about to take me to Colombia. I need to file for emergency custody. And that starts the full story of everything that happens afterwards, of having to deal with my mom just died and I'm now a parent in a matter of like two days and planning funeral, going to court, <laughs> being married, um, <laughs> everything that happened after that. It was, I, I, it, I went from being a teenager about to go to college and being in a relationship to everything that's happened since then. And I've done a lot of work <laughs> to be able to say any of this out loud. Um, and I'm like, sh I'm shaking. <laughs> I know I'm so glad that people who listen to your podcast can in some way understand the feeling of um, having to kind of relive all of that. Um, but I'm definitely in a better place right now to be able to say this out loud because if you asked me back then, I probably would have been really angry. <laughs> and I'm so glad I didn't cry that much. <laughs> I'm, I did more nervous laughing than anything. Crying, crying is okay too. It's not a problem. Um, did somebody encourage you to do the, the file for guardianship? Like, how did you come up with that on your own? How would you even know about that? Or does somebody? Yeah. Uh, well, the, because of everything that I had been through before and um, having to do all the paperwork for my mom, for everything, um, I wasn't your average 18 year old. Like I, I was doing immigration work, school work, uh, medical work and also when my mom um brought us to the u.s there was a whole case regarding that so i knew what cut i know i knew what taking care of a kid and what that involved in i did have to hire a lawyer on the spot <laughs> uh -huh. because I, I can't file on my own so someone in the funeral home i remember heard of the case and he said if I need any lawyers, because she was a single mother, uh, that it could help me with any custody or whatever, will, testament, whatever. So uh, I said, okay. And this lawyer, um, I remember just, I, I, my, my, my memory is so foggy from back then, but yeah, I, I just started working with this lawyer and we went to the family court and we went to the front desk and we're like hey this is happening why do I need to file <laughs> it was it was just like I I say a lot my my mom used to describe herself and me like the lioness like trying to take care of her cubs and that was what was happening I'm like everything else that just happened to me went to like the back burner I'm like how do I how do I fix this right now? Because I can't allow my sister to leave the country. She's been here since she was one. <laughs> I, mm -hmm. That wasn't going to happen. 
and apparently, well, we will find out when you come back whether it happened yeah. or not. Sounds like it didn't. Sounds like Mama Bear went into full effect <laughs> and was effective. Um, my gosh, lady. Uh, like you said, you know, that it was that you can even just think about the fact that your mom was dead because it was sudden and there were so many traumatic events around her death. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't even know how you decided to go file for guardianship for your sisters like wow that is just that is just amazing um i i think about it now and i feel like i'm so i'm so much more fragile now which is it's it's weird to think about how when this things happen to you you're going to like adrenaline just takes over your body and it's like i need to get this done i'm so much more fragile now even though i'm older um I feel like I wouldn't be able, I, I'm so, I'm, I'm fragile in the sense of like, I'm, I'm more sensitive to this stuff. I, I think about it more. I'm not, in, I'm not in like survival mode. So I, I don't know how I would be able to go into a court while my life is falling apart. I, I don't know how I would be able to, but I, I did it and I didn't even, everything happened. And then later on, like three years later, I look at the court documents and it says like two days after my mom died like I was filing and I'm like there's there's no way <laughs> but it's right there it's written and I'm like it's I don't know <laughs> it was yeah. definitely survival and <laughs> mm-hmm. wow yeah well and like you said the fact that you had exposure to completing those kinds of documents because of you you know being the one that helped your mom with all of the things like Wow, to be able to look back at that and see how that affected you being able to um, have guardianship of your sisters is, I mean, because if she would have gotten out of the country, that probably would have been it. Yeah. So and most, it, eight, it, most 18 year olds don't get that. They don't get that. It, it, it's, it's, it's hard to think about how, I don't believe things happen for a reason I don't believe in that statement um because this didn't need to happen <laughs> I don't want to learn the lesson <laughs> I really didn't need it um I would rather be screw the, the silver lining <laughs> yeah yeah, this, yeah, I, yeah I hate when people say that to me um but a lot of people as the time went on they'll be like oh when you think about it all the things that you went through with your mom prepared you for what happened and I'm like, no, <laughs> absolutely not. Um, I, I, I had, I, I, I had it all together, but I didn't need to go through any of that. And that's what I reply to people because a lot of unwarranted advice came with everything that happened after, <laughs> and to this day. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. That everyone. And I try to be so respectful that everyone grieves differently, even if they go through the same thing. And I don't believe in giving advice, but I, I believe in, in just like giving people grace in whatever they want to do or, or feel or anything in between of how they react. It's okay because everyone has their own different journey and like, I wish people gave me that grace when I was going through the things, um, like especially directly after she died, because I had all these things thrown at me, and it was like 
I had no choice but to do this thing. And people were like, well, you're so strong. Everything happens for a reason. Everything you went through before prepared you for this role. I'm like, no, I just wish someone held my my hand. And I think I heard someone say this on your podcast before, like, I wish someone looked at me and said, no, like, this is actually pretty bad. <laughs> like, I'm like, just reassured that like the fact that I'm feeling insane and that life doesn't feel real and like someone just reassured that feeling for me but no it was a lot of like you were meant for this <laughs> and it's not okay <laughs> it's yeah. not okay yeah the whole you're so strong well I didn't have a choice you know no, either I was going to crawl up in a ball crawl up in a ball and die or I was going to survive yeah like what am I supposed to explain to me what I'm supposed to do because I was the first person to tell anyone I cannot live without my mom and then I had to like what do I do then and it's mm. it's, it's hard mm-hmm. have you um gone through any grief counseling or anything like that a lot of years went by before I I I actually sat down and grieved my mom yeah it was it was a lot of it was a lot of like we'll talk about it it was a lot of I was an automobile on everything that I had to do after um but a lot of years went by before I sat down and 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 said to myself like I I need help before I I this turns bad (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. I, I was in denial for a lot of years of what happened and it, mm-hmm. I mean it I, it, it was it's going to be six years this year and I tell people um I feel like I just started my grief journey um it doesn't feel like six years it feels like I freshly started last year like she just died because I've been able to sit down and think about it mm-hmm. and really like marinating the fact like my mom is gone and there's nothing I can do about that and especially um that a trial hasn't happened <laughs> it's okay this is yeah. a lot of stuff we need to save we need to save this for part two <laughs> yeah that's why I, I I told lady before we started recording I don't know if I'll ask questions and this is why I just need to keep my mouth shut because there's things there's still there is still story um yet to come but wow so you guys don't know this we don't have part two scheduled yet I mean, we're gonna get off this call and be like, so we'll talk tomorrow <laughs> um I mean it means nothing for me to say I'm sorry for what you've been through but you know that is traumatic and it is a lot I, and it will be, you are, you are putting yourself in a, I mean, you said you can talk about it now, but that you're still nervous and shaky. You're putting yourself in a difficult situation so that somebody else can not feel alone. Um, if maybe there's in some sort of similar situation. So I think it's a good place for us to wrap up right here. Um, and so lady's going to come back next week and share part two of her story, which will be the things that happened since her mom's um, death and two days later, lady applying for guardianship of her two two sisters. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a lot more story yet to come, I believe. And um, lady will be back next week.
If you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey, please visit my website, www.yourgriefjourney.com. If you'd be interested in sharing your story on the podcast, please send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com.